Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Joel Moskowitz, who is the owner of Tools for Working Wood, a company in Brooklyn, New York, that sells woodworking tools and designs and manufactures tools. Uh, Joel is also an amateur woodworker himself, and he is also has has been a student of the Alexander Technique. And we're going to talk today about how the Alexander Technique has helped him in his work and in his uh, design of tools. Um, he has some very interesting thoughts about a tool design, and uh, I think I think this will be a, a pretty interesting conversation. Uh, Joel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Joel, uh, before we begin to talk about uh, woodworking and, and uh, woodworking tools and the technique, could you begin by just giving our listeners a very short description of the Alexander Technique? Uh, from a layman's point of view. Absolutely. After yeah. all, I, 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 I'm a civilian here. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I would say very simply that um, the Alexander Technique obviously is about 100 years old. Um, and its concept is that we don't use our bodies correctly. In other words, um, for various reasons over the years, we hold our bodies in weird positions that are compensating, you know, for the tools we're using, for whatever, you know, and you get into bad posture and bad, um, a bad situation, and what happens is, is that that get leads to back pain and things like that. In other words, if you're holding your back in a weird way, um, you can lead to back pain. You may not realize you're holding it in a, ba- um, in a bad way because we get, get accustomed and used to our posture over the, over the years. Um, and the purpose of Alexander is to kind of roll back that um, the way we're holding ourselves and to go to, to a more natural position. And that, of course, is to the lessons and practice and, you know, and training over time, and that leads to a body that's working less hard, which means less pain, and also in the case of, you know, because you're now much more open, the you can breathe better, you're doing less work, in many cases it helps your voice and things like that, and when people ask, I point out it's fairly mainstream, and, you know, actors, um, performers in general, it's very common to have classes like that in schools, and things like that. It's, a, it's like that's why they have such a phenomenal posture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I would add that it's mainstream in the sense that there have been there's been at least one very large scale study about the Alexander technique and back pain, uh, produced by the uh, sponsored by the National Health Service in England and published in the uh, in. The, their main medical journal, I forget the name now, but it 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 has quite a bit of scientific. Uh, there's been quite a bit of scientific research on it as well. So uh, you, I know that uh, from from what you what you sent me earlier, you had lessons over a number of years, and I'm wondering uh, how that affects both your work as an amateur woodworker and your um, approach to designing tools, woodworking tools? Well, the major concept, I think, of Alexander, if I had to some put it in two sentences, and again, I'm not saying this is an official major concept. It's the way my take on it mm-hmm. 
is that the way we use our bodies in relationship to the equipment at hand is not necessarily the most efficient use of our body. Because tools, whether it be a chair, which is, of course, the common thing, or um, a woodworking tool, they are designed on a basis of you know, economy, um, what, especially in the case of chair, what looks cool. And in many cases, what's on the surface seems comfortable. Because, if you know, for example, if you are used to... Um, um, if you if you're used to holding your body in a bad way, or an unco- it, it, that's actually painful, but then you put it in a sculpture chaise lounge, you mm-hmm. may feel very comfortable. Mm-hmm. But yes. that doesn't necessarily mean long term you're really resting. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're not necessarily at that moment using your body in the most efficient way. And let's take a saw handle, okay? The saw handle may be shaped the way it is for historic reasons because some guy decided it would be really cool if we, you know, put a little jog in the handle over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it may be also designed because of economics. You know, we'll get rid of the nice curve that makes it easy on the hand because it costs money. Some modern tools have like rubber handles, which in one sense seem comfortable. But in many cases, you have to grip them very tight to keep them from slipping because they, they are obviously non-slip rubber. But, you know, when you're sawing and things like that, you know. I, and, I, and I would think a, just on that topic, a rubberized uh, handle would give you less immediate feedback on what the saw blade is doing. Correct. And yeah. it also means you have to hold it. And mm-hmm. just on a very, very simple note, almost all hand tools, traditional hand tools, should be held with a f- three-finger grip. The, that is, the thumb and the bottom three fingers curl around the handle, and the index finger points straight ahead on the side of the tool. And there's two reasons for that. The first is it gives you a certain sense of orientation. But more importantly, when you do that, you can't grip the handle too tight. It's impossible. Because that finger is stuck out, so you end up um, having a less of a death grip than you would if you had all four hand, fingers you know, turning around that handle. And consequently, it's a less fatiguing tool to use. Mm-hmm. I had um, never, I had never thought not, of that you're not, before. You're not cramping up your handle. Remember, these guys did it all day, handles. Right. The second thing is, is that if you have a tool, if you grab even an oval in your hand with all four fingers, you have less diagonal, uh, not, not lateral control. Um, in other words, the tool can easily swivel a little in your hand. When you have that index finger out, it orients the tool better. It will not rotate in your hand. And they figured this out, you know, hundreds of years ago. Um, and then if someone says, well, you know, obviously the handle's not big enough because you should be able to, you know, put your fourth finger in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, they don't right. understand. The designers didn't understand why. And... What's been happening now, there's a hand tool revolution going on. Tons of great new stuff is being um, released. And um, people are going back to original designs. And the trick is figuring out what original design is good, how to make it better, and what would the original designers do if they had the materials and the opportunity, the tools and the odds and ends that we have today. 
So I, I'm assuming that your experience with the Alexander Technique allows you to, in a sense, test whatever new designs you come up with to, because you have, because that Alexander training, um, I'm imagining, made you quite a bit more sensitive to any additional strain that you put on your body. And so you would be in a much better position to experiment with designs from that point of view. I won't say an explicit, oh, I'm holding this tool I can I'm I'm not smart enough to say I'm holding this tool and therefore say my back isn't being done in the right direction. But as a concept, it's very much at the forefront of thought. Mm-hmm. In other words, what's the natural position? And here's an example of another example that I think um you originally found me through a blog entry I wrote exactly mm-hmm. on this subject. And right. okay. You need to saw a straight line. You put your saw in your hand on a piece of wood and cut away. Now but you're not following the line. So what do you do? You twist your hand a little so you can follow the line. Mm-hmm. Now you're following the line. But it doesn't feel natural because your hand is twisted. And remember, I'm not talking about this in the concept of an Alexander teacher or an Alexander lesson. Just your hand doesn't feel right. And then you, you get all screwed up in order to follow that line. And it's very hard on your arm and it feels really hard mm-hmm. because you've moved your hand Another way of doing this is to say, I'm, when I move my hand with a saw back and forth, I'm going to naturally cut a certain line in a certain, in a certain orientation. And the right thing to do is to position your entire body so that happens to be the where you want to make the cut. Right. So, and I mean, suddenly, that, yes, yes, I can see that. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. And when it comes to watching a real hand tool traditional professional work, they don't need, for example, to check square when they're cutting a joint or dovetail because they've got it down so they know when they put their saw down on a piece of wood, it will cut straight. Then it's not stressful for them because everything is relaxed. So they just have to make sure, and they're used to orienting their body. Their whole body is doing the work. Well, Orient their yeah. body so they're cutting straight. And then, of course, once you know, understand that, and you practice up that, then suddenly you're not um, you're not concentrating on the mechanics of some line you very carefully scribe because the de- the accuracy of the cut is not defined by some line on the on the piece of wood. It's defined by how you work, much like a musician. If you think about it. you know a musician doesn't check the frequency per second of a, a note they're playing. They they understand the the basic geometry. The, the, the geometry is ingrained in their body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. And okay. I, it's interesting that you would mention musicians because I was just about to say that a lot of what you're saying about uh, a craftsman's relationship to his tools is very analogous to what what Alexander teachers see a lot because Alexander teachers tend to work quite a bit with musicians and let's let's just take uh, instrumentalists that um the the temptation for let's say a violin player or cello player or whatever is to um uh kind of 
fit him or herself into the shape of the of the instrument or the demands of the instrument instead of looking after themselves as they play there's and and it sounds to me like what you're describing is pretty analogous to that oh exactly analogous yeah. and i think you know there is one of the things i think um modern americans very much do and in instruction when you or, or teachers the goal in many cases a teacher especially if you're teaching adults you want to take the instruction and boil it down to something that everybody in the class can follow mm-hmm. you know measure in 2 inches okay S- draw a square line cut down so you make sure you're square in each step of the range in each step of the way and that works. There's no question about it. You can have a whole class be very successful. But that's the equivalent also of, pay, of teaching someone the piano by putting numbers on the keys. It mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. If you put numbers on the keys, you can teach people to play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the ability to say, okay, I'm going to teach your body how to Maybe, maybe you want to call it dexterity. You want to get a natural dexterity. Maybe that's the right phrase. I don't actually know. But to, the ability to be comfortable. So, okay, you have to be comfortable with sawing straight. Then you can saw straight anywhere on anything. Mm-hmm. And the, the feedback that both a musician does, a sports player. You know, when you teach someone to do a layup in basketball, you don't say, wait until you're 6.7 feet away from the basket. Mm-hmm. And then jump up. Two and a half to two and three quarters inches in the air, in the air. You don't do that, and the reason basketball players practice is so they automatically, in their minds, it becomes this natural dance, of, I have a ball, there is a basket. The brain and the body will put together some combination that makes you sink the basket. Mm-hmm. And craft is exactly the same way. Okay, and the, the difference maybe the for the for the real craftsman, there's an automatic something. They don't think about, I need to make a cut, stroke, 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 stroke. Mm-hmm. They've already put it together into a whole. They're playing a piece. They're not making a note. Mm-hmm. Mixing analogies are very. And yeah. it's it's uh, I think what you the, what you just talked about is um, a, a really good example of a kind of a general. Uh, perhaps confusion in people's minds. It's one thing for a teacher to teach you a specific skill. That could be a woodworking skill. It could be a a musical skill. It could be uh, an athletic skill. Uh, It's another thing altogether to have a teacher who can help you, who's good at helping you organize your own self well to perform that skill. So, you know, a piano teacher can teach you how to play piano, but not necessarily how to look after your physical mechanism as you're playing piano. The good ones will. The good ones will. And the good ones, the ones who are really good, typically have a pretty good use of their own physical mechanism and they at the very least provide a good um, uh, example in in terms of you just watch them play and you'll absorb something from that. 
but they're not nece not necessarily going to be able to help you if you have some very specific malcoordination issue. There's where you may need to go to someone who's a bit of an expert in that uh, that teaching skill. And and I would, for my money, an Alexander teacher would would be the place to go for that because that is kind of what we're all about. Yeah, no, I wouldn't disagree yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, um, no, you're I absolutely right. The people I, I, who are very good at what they do, and I'm betting that these these crafts crafts people that you're t you're talking about who are just naturals at it. If if an Alexander teacher looked at them, they'd probably say, "Well, that guy's using himself pretty well." There's a fluency in all craft, and by craft, I also mean anything you know, using art, performance, anything. There's a fluency mm -hmm. that transcends merely following a set of instructions because in order to be good at craft you have to make peace between what your body is able to do and the requirements of the task otherwise it becomes you know i i've done and we've all done things and where you know at the end of a session your hand is hurting your back is hurting and the most obvious thing you learn from that is something is wrong okay people do do this a whole day whatever pick a task i mean i'm making you know a generic task people do you know unload trucks all day people do you know um type all day and if the actual act of it is painful something is wrong mm -hmm. and it could be one your equipment is badly positioned for your technique Okay, the second thing is you are trying to do something. You're doing it the hard way, you know. Um, and this is basic ergonomics. But the interesting thing about Alexander, in, from my layman's standpoint, is, you know, when I studied Alexander, we spent a tremendous amount of time getting in and out of chairs. We spent a, a tremendous amount of time thinking about the back just because it's very clearly focused. In my professional world where we design tools, we don't think about the back directly. We don't think about a chair directly. But the concept that the tool has to be used correctly, and it's got to be the right tool. Okay, in other words, the tool, you, you know, a chair with that sloping seat that you mentioned, that was mentioned in a previous interview, um, fights getting out of that chair. Mm-hmm. So there's no matter how brilliant you are, okay, that getting the right design to begin with, and that's where I come in as a tool designer and manufacturer, okay, um, we try to get the right tool to begin with. That's our job as, 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 as tool makers. But the other side is using your body correctly, okay, um, is to understand now, okay, I've got one piece of the puzzle. Let's use the second piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not directly related to Alexander, because we're talking about sawing a piece of wood, hammering a nail, whatever, the, the concept for me is where I got it from. The, the concept of saying, okay, you can use your body efficiently. And that, to me, has its roots in Alexander. You know, and, you know, showing people, I, you know, the number of times we show people, this is a better way to hold the tool. And they go, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason you're having trouble is, you know, this is at the wrong height for you. Mm -hmm. And and, and yeah, I'm guessing like that. that you can make that kind of judgment 
um, more of and that kind of uh, gentle intervention more effectively because of your Alexander training. Yes, not on a, on a direct correlation, I under, yeah. Alexander technique, but certainly the awareness, and I think that's really important, the, the basic awareness of the basic premise of Alexander, mm-hmm. okay, I think has been really important to me. Okay, well, the idea that um, there is a natural way of doing something and fighting it makes no sense. And trying to figure out what the natural way is also tricky because there's something else. Someone who's accustomed to doing things that hurts their back, whether it's the person who just, you know, picks up, you know, picks up the, the, the um, stuff on the floor without bending their back, you know, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that. It's not even an Alexander kind of thing. You know, the idea that you're bending the knees is very important to help your back. Um, the person, okay, they may say, okay, well, the problem is you need to put this, get this stuff a little bit off the floor so I don't have to bend as far which is a fair point, mm-hmm. but it's not nearly as efficient saying, how about bending your knees a little, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And, yeah. and then, because people don't always realize that making, you know, you can customize something. I, if I have, if someone, for example, there are occasions, very rare, that we have someone whose hands are either too big or too small for our, our, our saw handles, but it's rare, okay? Mm-hmm. In many cases, the reason they think the handle is too big or too small is they're used to a particular way of working. And when they see our tool, it takes them, it feels weird in their hand. Mm-hmm. And then some of them say, this feels weird in my hand. Let me use it for a bit and see what happens. And others reject it outright. I want something, you know, my hand that's perfect for my hand. Mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. something that is a custom-made handle for them, in many cases, will simply exacerbate the bad the, the the bad usage. And I don't want to say we make the ultimate handles ever made in the history of the planet. That's not true. But I think I think we've made some strides in that direction. Mostly by rolling back designs and like dissecting eighteenth and nineteenth century ideas on a subject and trying to understand because in those days, you know, when you didn't have power tools and people worked all day by hand, there was a certain natural selection of design. Mm-hmm. And I think you've raised a really interesting point that one one of the things that happens if you, if you develop some harmful habits of of, of motion or posture or using a, uh, a a saw or anything like that if you develop that pattern over a period of time it, even if it's quite inefficient uh, and and causing strain and so on it comes to feel right. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, and, and that's, that is exactly the issue that Alexander, the F, FM Alexander, the guy who uh, developed this, this work uh, back in the late 19th century, that's exactly the issue he, he was up against. In, in his case, he was a reciter and he, he, he felt that a certain way of speaking was correct and it was only when he really took the time and energy to investigate it that he discovered it was actually quite harmful. And it's interesting, your observation, that some people, when you tell them, well, why don't you try this for a while, or, 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 or would say, sure, that would be an interesting exp- experiment. And other people, as you say, just reject it out of hand. And, 
And certainly the idea that once you have learned this bad behavior, which in many cases you started a kid, as a kid to learn, right. uh-huh. unlearning it is non-trivial. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Um, and that's, you know, it, 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 that, that's why Alexander takes more than one lesson. Yeah, it takes a, commi- <laughs> you know? it takes a commitment on it your part. It takes a commitment. You Absolutely. Have to, you know, yeah. And, of course, the rewards are things become much easier, whether it's, you know, working all day, sitting in a chair, or, you know, building something, playing a musical instrument, and things like that. And it's, you know, the other interesting thing is, for example, um, just in getting back to, to woodworking, um, a, a workbench that is at the right height for, say, hand planing work or hammering is too low for doing things like, say, dovetailing. Just if you think about it, when you're sawing, you want to be at one angle in relationship to the wood. When you're hammering, you want to be at another angle because obviously the nails, you want the hammer to be, you know, you know you, it's different heights. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there is in documentation, and there's been a revival in the past year, of something called a Moxon bench. It wasn't invited, invented by a guy named Moxon, but it appears in the first woodworking book of, in English of all time, where it's a thing you stick on the side of your bench that raises it temporarily and puts a little small vice for clamping work, mm-hmm. for detailed work. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, had no idea these things existed a few years ago, neither did anybody else. And they were, and dovetailing for something would be, you know, hunched over a workbench, always painful after a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And then so, since someone rediscovers this idea, and suddenly people go, wait a second, now I can work at the right height. Don't need two workbenches, which people didn't do, and suddenly it's easier to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, we sell two versions of that sort of thing now, and it really makes a difference. And of course, it made a difference 200 years ago when it mattered professionally. And of course, as people moved more and more way to machines in production, you didn't have workbenches in the same sense that you had 400 years ago, 300 years ago. They weren't. They were used for different things. Um, and the revival of hand tools and stuff like that very much is about figuring this stuff out because it gives people a greater chance of success. You know, woodworking mm-hmm. becomes mm-hmm. more fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's not a chore anymore to say, I've got to saw 312 cuts and panic about each one. Um, now I can get traditional geometry... And I can learn, teach myself or study on how to do things efficiently. And suddenly, it's a much more relaxed way of getting to success. Well, you know, I think this would be a perfect place, unless you have something else you want to add. This might be a perfect place to end our conversation. What do you think? I don't know. I, I, had, I had a thought in my head coming back, and I completely forgot it. So I guess the answer is yeah. <laughs> okay. um, uh, it's, it's, I mean, obviously, Alexander meant... You know, it was a really important kind of um, step in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike someone, someone such as yourself who, who actually works in the field, I'm an outsider. Um, it's not obviously central to my life now. Mm-hmm. But it was an important point. It really was. It was an important education. The mm-hmm. education, of, you know, to, to, and of course, without it, I'd be in deep pain a lot of the time. <laughs> so Well, so... Uh, 
that uh, I've been talking today with uh, Joel Moskowitz, who is the owner of a company called Tools for Working Wood. It's located in Brooklyn, New York. We'll put a link to his website. If anything that we've been talking about, uh, about woodworking or woodworking tools uh, intrigues you, uh, definitely go to his website. Um, he also has a blog about woodworking where he raises some very interesting questions. And so I think that would be a great resource for anyone who's uh, in that field. If anything we've been talking about intrigues you, um, about the Alexander Technique intrigues you, we'll put a link to a website where you can learn more about the technique and where you can uh, find a teacher in your area. Joel, thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it's been fun.